This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. This season's podcast is brought to you by Sexton's Creek Productions, an independent design agency offering video production, audio production, web development, digital media design, and much more. They believe in pushing creative boundaries to achieve excellence and taking a unique, collaborative approach to every project. They believe brand equals reputation, and that businesses with the best brands are those who develop a bond of trust and shared values with their audience. It can be a real struggle for businesses to gain the trust of their audience when they can't represent themselves accurately or consistently. That's why Sexton's Creek Productions was created, to help businesses communicate in an authentic and consistent manner. Learn more about building trust with an audience by visiting sextonscreekproductions.com. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Vicki. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. And I want to thank you. For what? In our last WPO meeting, um, you had some of our members share about the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Oh, yeah. It was so good. And I, I was familiar with it, but just the way they presented, they pulled out a couple of things and they had us do exercises and I took it back to Bolson Group and um, I, I kind of mentioned it to a couple people and then they were very responsive and so my executive leadership team is going to do a half day retreat on some of the things that we learned in the EOS. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I've read the book and um, I've integrated some of the things into the facilitations that I've done too. Well, remind me the name of the book so our listeners. Attraction. Uh, yeah, 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 Traction. yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if our next guest has anything to say about that. Oh, I bet he does. I bet he does, too. So um, our next guest, since 2002, has helped hundreds of organizations and executive leaders uh, help their companies and teams get lasting results. Chris Hutchinson, today's guest, is Trebuchet Group's founder and leader. He helps clients through facilitation of small and large group retreats and meetings, coaches and mentors executive leaders, and presents on topics such as effective leadership. Chris went to school for a, for a mechanical engineering degree hmm. and a master's in business administration. And then his experience in the military and the corporate world taught him that great leaders can be, leadership can be learned and believes that everyone is, in some way, yeah. which makes sense, a leader. He has a passion for helping people grow and be their best. Chris wants to help create a world where people care for and respect themselves, each other, and the environment. To do so, he believes we must inspire businesses to be a greater positive force in the world. His calling is to model, teach, and support businesses and people to be that positive force. Described by clients and peers as a visionary and inspirational catalyst for positive change, I'm excited to welcome Chris today. Yeah, welcome Chris. Well, gosh, thank you. What a great intro. Oh. Hey, are you familiar with that book, Traction? I am. We, we have talked to people who use it, and uh, some people just absolutely adore it. I think the biggest benefit of it is just having a framework in which to hang your thinking 
you don't miss something. I yeah. think it makes a tremendous difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Kind of that process, I feel like, puts a lot of different steps into place that, that mm-hmm. um, sort of a logical way. So, yeah. Do you think it's better for smaller companies? I, I'm like a 15-person company, and it seems to me that definitely smaller businesses would it would resonate with them more than really big companies. Well, I think, uh, yes, because typically people, the system that they have is not necessarily very um, regimented or it has some discipline to it. It's sort of like, well, we just do this and then we do that and then we do that. I think both, I've seen big companies, though, who also lose that. Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. And so it can actually even for, I mean, not the 15 is a big company, but you could look back and say, hey, why, why did we do that? Uh, you've probably heard the joke about the family who over generations cuts the end off the ham and puts it in the side of the pan. Right. <laughs> I have heard that, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, and it's just because, well, that's what Grandma did, you know, and right. had a small pan, you know, just so when you're in a small company, it really is important to think about why are you doing this? What, what, what are the benefits you're going to get out of it? And then how do you want to go do that? You might have to change as you grow up. So, Chris, I am intrigued by your name, and unfortunately, I was unable to be on the pre-interview with you, but um, not your name, Chris. I'm not, but that's not a good thing. Yeah, that's pretty normal. But. <laughs> but, so what is trebuchet? Am I saying it right, too? You actually are. There are three official pronunciation, trebuchet, trebuchet, and tree bucket. Oh. <laughs> wrong. You've probably had them all, for right. sure. It's part of the recovering mechanical engineer in me. Um, <laughs> it's a very simple system that just has a long arm and a counterweight and a sling. And when they invented these in the Middle Ages, if they showed up outside of your castle, you pretty much had signed the peace treaty. They were sort of the nuclear bomber because they could attack and not be attacked back. Um, interestingly enough, so I was into this, a very simple system honed to the very elements of what's important, focused on the right thing with people aligned to get it done, has a disproportionately large impact, hopefully positive in the case of the work we do. And I had a history buff who told me, when I explained that to him, he said, no, that's not why you call it Trebuchet Group. And I said, well, okay, why, why, why am I calling it this? And he walked me through the fact that when the Trebuchet showed up, they pretty much dismantled the feudal system because you couldn't be in one area with one person who decides it with big walls and all those little city-states actually had to work together to form countries. And so pretty interesting because he's like, that's what you help do. You help break down the silos in the bigger companies and help people work together towards a shared goal. Mm-hmm. Wow. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, it's a good icebreaker when somebody asks you. You know, it's a good way to intro what you're going to do for them as a company, right? Yeah, ask them if they have the crash helmet on. You know, <laughs> and just walk outside, we'll sit in this little chair and we'll pull a pin. So you um, start with an individualistic approach, I'm sure, for each client. But I wondered mm-hmm. if you could share, um, you know, kind of like a, a typical client experience, what you're trying to accomplish, and how you do that? Ah, great question. Um, and, and typical is sort of like, you know, I feel like the lawyers would say, well, it depends. Right. <laughs> in general, the, the kind of things where we've seen the most impact of the work we've done with the client is when a, a leader shows up and says, you know, I'm part of a, an organization very focused on values and our purpose, and we just don't seem to be getting the results that we need, and I do a lot of sort of refereeing, and, you know, uh, have some amazing individual contributors and amazing leaders, but they don't always work together well, and mm-hmm. we seem to be pulling in different directions. So typically what we'll do is sit down and say, okay, um, let's sort of look at team health, and I lean on Patrick Lencioni and some of his great work 
around, well, what's the level of vulnerability and trust, psychological safety? How much are we able to have disagreement without people taking it personally and make sure it gets on the table so that our commitment is high? It's not only about results, but it's also the behavior and how we treat each other as we get there, because that's usually why people get fired. Not because they're not getting results, it's because they're not treating each other nicely or mm-hmm. even helpfully. Mm-hmm. And then with that, you get a shared accountability. It's not just did the leader see or not. It's like, hey, I need your help. This report that you committed to is vital to our success. What do I need to take off your plate to help you do that? You know, what sacrifice can I make for us to be better together so you get better trade results? So that's the first thing. We have a, a two-day intensive, not that there's anything magical about that, but it's really not only intellectually stepping through these ideas, but emotionally stepping through them, actually physically doing that. Let's build trust, not trust falls, but talk about what's challenging and where have I struggled and where could I be better uh, so that everybody sees each other as human and sees those individual strengths. And then with that, walk all the way through to find out what are we doing here together? We may have a lot of different focus, and you weren't hired as, I'm a member of this company, oh, by the way, I do finance. You were hired as a finance expert. But really to work well, you need to say, I am a leader in this company, by the way, I run the finance section. Mm-hmm. And so when we really have that team together at the top, all those, I call them pressure fractures at the top, turn into Grand Canyons down at the bottom. You know, we're not going to leap over there and help engineering or help marketing or that other person with their responsibilities. They, they close up. Mm-hmm. We see that we're in this together. So we do that, and that's a, it's a pretty cool thing because it's a step change in the organization. Once the organization gets to that level, we do a couple follow-ups. Like a month later, hey, that was cool commitment. It was neat. It was passionate. It was exciting. What's sticking? Mm-hmm. What's not sticking? What needs to stick? Mm-hmm. 30, 60, 90. And then very often we go into, since now we have a deeper level of understanding and willingness to be open, when we go back and look at our values and our purpose, instead of people looking at that and, hey, you agree with the purpose and the values, right? They go, uh, let's see, I like the job. Close enough. Yes. Now they're like, no, I'm gonna, I need to commit to these with whatever it takes. We may rewrite those. We may look at them a little differently. And now our commitment's even deeper, not only to what's next, but what's long-term. Yeah, wow. And so, Chris, you all really um, work almost exclusively with um, socially responsible companies or purpose-driven companies. Is that right? Um, that's the center of our sweet spot because there's an integrity in how we work, and they see longer-term success as very important rather than quarterly numbers. Mm-hmm. But we, we actually, I wouldn't say we're exclusive. Um, very frequently, even in the, for instance, where we work with one $12 billion client, there's a one part of the company that says, we want to be more purpose-driven. Nobody's telling us not to be, but if we just sort of follow the corporate thing, we don't have an identity ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we've helped them carve that out underneath. The best ones that we get to work with, though, is where there's a set of people, men and women sitting around a table, and they're like, hey, we want to be this way. We want to live up to our standards. We're not. How can you help us do that and continue to get better? Yeah, that's great. So uh, you all are B Corp certified, correct? Yes, we are. Yeah, and so um, how did that process work for you? Did you find it helpful, and, and what sort of did you learn going through it? About your it, was a, it was a pretty cool process. In some ways, it was sort of a no-brainer. Right. Um, because we were doing much of the same things, and we started noticing we had New Belgium as a client there at B Corp. We're like, oh, that's cool. And some other folks who were also B Corp, a construction company here in northern Colorado. And we're like, hmm, 
we should check into this. You know, it, it seems like it's a good housekeeping seal of approval on what we're doing. Uh, we went through, we changed our bank from a national one to a local credit mm-hmm. union working in business. Um, I'm trying to think. We did, we accelerated our schedule to pay for all the health premiums uh, for our company. But really, we're pretty transparent. Like, for instance, that sort of financial knowledge, we look at our essentially all the metrics and books every week to see how we're doing, go deeper in monthly and quarterly. And uh, so there was nothing sort of different. One of the things that was sort of interesting was when we got to the language that they have around, uh, it's legal language essentially to say the directors of the company mm-hmm. are not going to get in trouble for looking at more than profit. Um, and I think there was something about slave labor and some other stuff, which we wouldn't do anyway. And, and we have actually written all our operating agreements so our whole team can understand them. Mm. And we try to use really plain English. Um, and we had a little bit of a gentle battle with the B Corp. The longest thing it took is we want to write it this way. And they're like, no, it has to be this way. And we said, well, that legal language is actually sort of uninclusive. Mm-hmm. In fact, not a little uninclusive. It's very uninclusive. Like if you understand joint and several liability and a lot of people don't get that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about it in a way that everybody can look at it, get it, understand it. So that when they become employee owners, it's not a, just a sort of a, a little hazy look that they go, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, they need to understand it. So we, we got compromised, and we got to a good place in that. Wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah, that is. That's really interesting. They had not been faced with that before, huh? I don't think so. I think, it, you know, it's pretty much like, well, that's a legal thing. We'll just kind of do it. I think of li- lawyers as advisors, not as deciders. They're mm-hmm. great people. But they should be advising the leadership of the company about what they want to do. And then, then the leaders need to make that decision of, okay, what's right for us? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how has the B Corp, the certification, has that been helpful to you in terms of um, working with other companies, you know, kind of attracting business? I, I don't. The jury's out on that. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's been a neat entrance into it. And we have a bunch of what we call green flags, not red flags, mm-hmm. but the green flags for companies that work best with us, like a bicycle-friendly businesses, uh, folks pursuing the Malcolm Baldrige criteria, um, B Corp, Tugboat Institute. The mm-hmm. people do, you know, These are things that basically say, I have a long-term planning horizon. I want to do more than just make money at this business. And those are things that flag for us. We haven't had people beating a path through our door saying, oh, my gosh, you're B Corp certified. We're B Corps too. Let's go. It does help us have a, you know, sort of have a conversation like we're about trying to make the world a better place, and looks like you are too. Let's have a conversation to figure out whether what we have can someday help you because when you're in a crisis, that's not the time to come looking. So you were a former – I didn't – I don't remember talking about this, but um, I know you were a former engineer and yes. also military. Yes. And you've been in business 17 years. Yeah. So what I'm wondering is at what point did your consulting sort of shift and start to include sort of the social enterprise um, angle to your consulting? Hmm. That's pretty – yeah, that's interesting. I think it's, it came about actually after the financial crash. I, because of the position I had in the Air Force, which was in base maintenance – uh, where either we maintain a base on peacetime or in wartime, go build a base in the middle of nowhere uh, for the Air Force. I was very connected with folks that were feet on the ground, hands on tools, really enjoyed that groundedness. So um, our, our company, when it took off, ended up starting in that field. And in 2008, we had all these clients. I mean, 
Well, in fact, in 2008, in one month, we lost 85% of our business. Wow. Because we were working with a lot of the very fast-growing remodelers and builders on the coasts who were trying to preserve the cultural and have pur- purpose even as they were trying to meet demand. And then, of course, everything caved in. So at that point, I think, I mean, we were always working with folks who wanted to make a difference. I mean, they weren't the one, let me crank more money. It was like, how do I make this culture positive? How do I make sure people go to bed thinking about the next day in a good way? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always been un- underneath. But I think it really shifted after that to say, we not only need to diversify, perhaps we need to be a little more you know, on the chest about we're living according to these principles, and if you sign up for those, we're going to be a better fit. Not proselytizing or saying you must be this way, mm-hmm. but more just living it out and having people attracted by that. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So one of the questions that we always asks our, ask our guests, Chris, is um, what advice would you give to a company who um, might be interested in either growing or um, starting a corporate responsibility program? Hmm. I would say it really stems, and it doesn't have to be limited by, but it must be sparked by the values and the passions of the leader and the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not that, it's probably going to end up being sort of, what, window washing or you know, something where there's not a lot of substance to it. So I think it's really important, and I really advocate for leaders to make sure they're going the right direction is figure out what do they care about, what's really important for them, how would they include other people in that, What's the variance, essentially? Like, do they, hopefully they don't have to be clones because that's pretty tough. But it's something where this is what we believe. And from that, almost always stems uh, a need to figure out how are you being responsible for other people that aren't in the business. I, I have yet to, and maybe the folks we attract, have somebody who goes Enron-ish and says, well, profit is the ultimate everything, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, if you had a 100-year company in mind, as the Tugboat Institute says, if you said profit is everything and we're going to do it for 100 years, it actually would shape a lot of positive stuff, right? Because you couldn't go pollute because that would cost you. You couldn't go recruit everybody and just throw them out like cogs because that would cost you. So e- even, even though profit does get a bad name sometimes, I think that if you look at what are the ultimate results of this, profit is just something that comes out. If you do the other things, profit will be a result if you do them right. That's I'm just, I, you know, I, w- I was listening to you say that, and I, it made me think of uh, a couple things. But one thing I want to ask is, what's the most unusual uh, transition or change you've made for a company in your work with them? Maybe, you know, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty loose. Um, or something that you recall, that you remember, you will never forget. There have um, been some companies, it's just pretty cool because, again, it's, um, I guess if I've done my work really well and my team and I have done it, we are not pushing people in a direction. We're, un- we're uncovering the path that they want to go on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe it's shining the light a little bit ahead to give them a little confidence. Perhaps it's, you know, handing them a whisk broom and we'll dust it off. But to see, uh, I know one company was actually um, a public institution had a whole bunch of people that were accountants and they were very focused on getting the numbers because that was their job but every single person there had a deep desire to improve the lot of the organization and people outside and when they sort of 
they, they, all, they literally at this meeting kind of shared what their dreams were. And everybody had a very similar dream, but nobody thought that the other people had it. Mm. So it was just really shy. Like the first person was just sort of tentatively put it out there, and another person just let up and said, oh, my gosh, that's what I kind of want. I want to make sure that we're making a difference here, not just counting the numbers. And yeah. these folks that almost self-stereotyped into the bean counter mm-hmm. really saw themselves as an enabler of people's futures. And that was just I mean, you can, it was exciting oh, to yeah. see. Mm-hmm. We, it kind of didn't have anything to do with it. We just sort of helped, but it was all there. And so they just took off. Well, that's funny. That takes us back to where we started, which is the EOS system, because that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I heard was that every single person in the organization should have something that can be measured to show their impact mm-hmm. on the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could talk to you all day, Chris, but um, <laughs> we usually end on the question that Kathy asked about the advice, but it just, I really wanted to ask you that last question. Oh, so well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I enjoyed, thank you so much for, for creating a conversation place for people to think about more broadly their impact and trying to make a difference. And it starts with the leader, and then I think it involves the other people, and then we go, let's go tackle the system together. Wonderful. Well, before you go, can you let our listeners know how they could get information about Trebuchet? Um, sure. And yes. Yeah. Um, well, we have a website, Trebuchet Group, and I think even if you spell it badly, you'll probably find us because I think we're the only one. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I also I wrote, I wrote a book called Ripple, a oh. field manual for leadership that works, and uh, that's you can see Ripple Leadership. That'll also find it. Uh, but, yeah, we definitely we can provide a link as well if it would be helpful. Uh, we're, we're doing a special offer right now of you can buy a book and then give a book to somebody else oh, that's to cool. sort of help ripple out. And I'd be very happy to extend that to your listeners as well. Oh, oh wonderful. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, thank you yes. for um, sharing with us today. And um, we will be in touch about um, things we need from you and that kind of thing to promote the episode. But I know our listeners are going to love it. Thank you. I love this experience, too. And keep going. Thanks, okay. Chris. Thank you so much, Chris. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Let's give a big thank you to Matthew Sosi, our podcast engineer. You can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com. Or just visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Taking Care in Biz. That's Taking Care in B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at any time at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take Take care care in business. This season's podcast is brought to you by Sexton's Creek Productions, an independent design agency offering video production, audio production, web development, digital media design, and much more. They believe in pushing creative boundaries to achieve excellence and taking a unique, collaborative approach to every project. They believe brand equals reputation and that businesses with the best brands are those who develop a bond of trust and shared values with their audience. It can be a real struggle for businesses to gain the trust of their audience when they can't represent themselves accurately or consistently. That's why Sexton's Creek Productions was created, to help businesses communicate in an authentic and consistent manner. Learn more about building trust with an audience by visiting 
sextonscreekproductions.com.